This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. Welcome to the Letter from the Bureau. This is a part of The Straits Times Asian Insider podcast channel, which we're refreshing with new content. I'm your host, ST's foreign editor, Bhagyashri Garika. Now, the letter from the Bureau is meant to be a detour, a scenic detour, from the raging news of the day. We like to talk about life as it goes on amid all the crises around us. I chat each month with one of ST's 30-odd correspondents in 15 cities across the Asia-Pacific, the United States, and Europe. And they share with you some of the more interesting things happening in their countries. In our fourth episode, we are speaking to ST's Taiwan correspondent, Katrine Wei, who's based in Taipei. Good to have you on the show, Kat. Hi, Bagya. Thanks for having me. In your recent column, Kat, you've shed light on a topic that most of us do not know much about, the indigenous tribes of Taiwan. Now tell me, does Taiwan have many different tribes? And also how far back in history do they go? So as far as our indigenous peoples, there are 16 officially recognized tribes now. Um, That was uh, seven added on from the previous nine. So I grew up learning that there were only nine, but more and more tribes um, emerged as the government started officially recognizing them. And uh, as far as written history goes, uh, the tribes were in Taiwan since the 17th century or before that. I see. 17th century doesn't seem to go back into, I guess, the antiquity as I imagined it. Uh, Do we know how they got there? Is there any um, historical research on that part of it? Uh, Yes. So it is believed that uh, the Aboriginal people in Taiwan were from the Philippines. Um, They had traveled there uh, over the sea if um, I think that dates back to maybe 1500 BC. And yeah, so in history, this is called the Austronesian expansion. They moved um, towards through the Philippines and expanded um, as far as to Polynesia and Madagascar. And Taiwan is part of this expansion. I see. And uh, tell me, Kat, can you tell by looking or hearing someone that they are uh, one of the indigenous people? Do they look very different from, say, the rest of the uh, Han Taiwanese? Uh, Yes, I think they do physically look different. Um, And as for, I think young people, you can't really tell. We all sound the same pretty much um, because of public education. But there are elders who still talk or speak in Mandarin with a little bit of indigenous accent. I see. Now, in your article, you said the Taiwanese government has had a pretty checkered kind of past in how it regards the tribes. Uh, Why was this the case? This really dates back to uh, when the first colonists came because the island of Taiwan was colonized by a number of different people, the Dutch, the Spanish, uh, Japanese, the Chinese, and then um, the current government, which is the Republic of China. So... Um, Starting from the Dutch, they have been using terms that refer to the Aboriginal people as, um, you know, savages or uncultured people or just wild people. 
And this kind of lasted until the Japanese rule and then the Chinese rule. And when the current government came, they still used the same terms, which is pretty demeaning for, for the indigenous peoples. Uh, when you say the current government, do you mean uh, President Tsai Ing-wen's government? Uh, I mean the the Republic of China government. Mm, I see. Um, there are different political parties, but uh, I mean after um, the Chinese Civil War. Right. And uh, you've talked about the various ways in which the identity of these tribes was suppressed officially as a policy. Mm-hmm. So could you tell us a bit about how was the suppression done? Uh, you say it started from young children in schools? Yes. So this was um, pretty soon after the the Nationalist Party, the KMT Party, uh, had moved from China to Taiwan. And they spoke Mandarin. Before that, uh, people in Taiwan spoke their own mother tongues. There was a number of dialects like Mingnan or Hokkien and Hakka and uh, Aboriginal people spoke their own tribal languages. But the KMT wanted everyone to speak Mandarin. So they banned all of these. And in school, um, children could only speak Mandarin. But it was pretty hard for them to adapt immediately. So um, children were, uh, they had to go through corporal punishment, um, like standing up in class and wearing signs around their necks saying that they didn't love the government enough to speak Mandarin or the teachers find them when they spoke in their tribal tongues. That's most unfortunate. And until when has this been going on? Uh, this probably lasted until the late 80s or the early 90s. Kat, you report that the tribes are now rediscovering their roots and they're finding uh, you know, a place for themselves in society. They're taking pride in their culture. They want their history to be recognized and to be valued as part of the Taiwan story. Is this like a movement? Does it have leaders? I don't think it's an island-wide organized movement. It more comes in waves. Um, with leaders, there, like I said, it isn't organized, but there are several leaders. Um, you do have pop icons who are proud of their indigenous roots, who, who talk about their tribal life in their music, or other celebrities who do the same, invite um, Han Chinese people to go to their villages with them, or you have uh, Aboriginal people running for political seats. These are considered leaders when they have successes in their um, in their pursuit. This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Like us and rate us. And now back to our podcast episode. Back to Catherine Wei and our conversation about Taiwanese indigenous people reclaiming their roots. Cat. You say in your piece that one of the ways that the tribes are harking back to their distinctive culture is through trying to preserve their languages. Tell us a bit about what is special about these languages and how exactly are the tribes trying to preserve them? Okay, so I don't think I'm an expert on this because I'm Han Chinese, but um, what is really special about them is these are considered uh, Astronesian languages. Um, and 
unlike what a lot of Han Chinese people think, they, the 16 tribes cannot converse among them um, with their respective languages. So these are not dialects. They're separate languages. And it's also interesting that the written form is all Romanized. They don't, they don't really have their own writing like Chinese characters or kanji or, or anything. Um, this is dating back from the days where Christian missionaries came and taught um, Aboriginal people how to Romanize their languages. What are the ways that the you know these people are trying to preserve the language? Uh, what kind of activities? How do they carry their message to, say, the next generation to be invested in preserving them as well? Uh, for some part, the education system plays into this. The government is trying to help by inserting mother tongue classes in mandatory education. So in elementary school, children can pick. Uh, between their mother tongues to learn. And some of the indigenous peoples have taken matters into their own hands as well. Um, they didn't want to take the government's way, so they founded their own indigenous language schools and began to teach children how to speak and use their languages in everyday life and how to respect their own cultures. And I think this is also apparent in pop culture as well. Um, a lot of singer-songwriters have begun using their mother tongues in their songs, and these songs have grown to uh, receive awards and a lot of popularity across streaming platforms. That's interesting. Have you listened to these songs? Do you like them? I have. Um, I really like songs written by a, a lady called Apao. I think, while I don't understand the language, um, she... It's hard to describe. Why don't we give it a listen? Yes, let's hear that. So do you, do you know, Kat, what we just heard? So I want to talk about the singer Apao. Before she wrote these songs, she actually didn't speak her own language um, from the Paiwan tribe but she gradually learned through her mother. And one of her really famous songs is called Mother Tongue because her mother, when teaching her how to sing in their language, said, oh, your tongue is still not there yet, meaning that she still had a long way to go learning their native language. And I thought that was really, really interesting and powerful. Yeah, you're right. I mean, imagine um, growing up and learning your mother tongue as a foreigner. I think that probably is uh, what her state is like. But do you see signs that these songs are becoming popular? Do you hear them when you, you know, on the radio or um, at, at a club or something? Um, yeah, pretty much. Not only did Abba win a, a number of island-wide awards with her songs and albums, uh, radio hosts see her songs as favorites and... Han Chinese people are trying to learn the lyrics, even though they have to rely on subtitles. So it's definitely growing the popularity. I hope that's good to hear. So does that mean by extension that the wider Taiwanese society is becoming more accepting of the tribes now? I think so, especially with young people, because like in my family, elders and uh, my parents, they still sometimes fall back to using 
what their habit is, which is degrading terms to refer to the Aboriginal people. And younger people now know to uh, correct them and let them know this is not the common term to be used now. It is not right. That's great, Kat. Uh, so does it go to the point where you hear of, um, you know, marriages between the indigenous people and the Taiwanese Han people? Are they mixed race babies and so on? Uh, yes, this has been happening for decades, I think. Um, it hasn't really been an issue, interracial marriages. It's just, it's pretty common now. Yeah. Okay, I guess that's one sign of integration then. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Kat, for the conversation today. Thank you, Bagya. And that's a wrap from the Letter from the Bureau. We hope you enjoyed it. If you'd like to read Kat's column, we have a link in our podcast description box. And you will also find there a link to other stories which have featured in our Letter from the Bureau series. And don't forget to subscribe to the revamped Asian Insider podcast channel on your favorite audio apps, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us.